Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arseholics podcast. It's uh, Sunday night. It's me, Raj, and you've got Aaron in here. All right, mate. Hello, Aaron. Hello, mate. How are you? Good Sunday. Very good Sunday. Very good Sunday. You've just got the two of us uh, tonight, guys. Mize is unwell, and Nero is right at the moment. He sent us sent us a video from London's King King London King's Cross. He went to Ellen Road. He was one of the arseholics who was actually at the game. Um, so he's had a really fun, boozy night. He stayed last night, didn't he? Yeah, I think he went up. Went up last night. I think he's on his way. Yeah, must be back now, right? If he's at King's Cross, so probably still drinking, <laughs> celebrating the win, and you know he deserves it. it made the trip up, commitment, and fair play exactly. to him. Exactly, exactly. It's a fun place to to go up to. I've been drinking in Leeds before. It can be a bit shady though, so I hope that he. Ah, oh, no. Okay, sorry. It's quite funny you say that. Yeah. So my stag do yeah. was in Leeds, and it was actually this weekend one year ago. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So if I'd waited a year to get married, I could have thrown <laughs> in an away day as well. <laughs> Hindsight. A wonderful thing. But you know what? At least um at least when you're on your stag, you got to focus on just getting absolutely wasted and not having to do anything. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> surviving. That's a good word to use to to go into this review, isn't it? Because you see, this is gonna be a bit more of a traditional um interview type thing because you know me like most other folks in the uk this is where like the uk is just so unbelievably bizarre you know me like most other folks in the uk did not watch this game because it wasn't effing live because we don't get all the live games in the uk which again if i didn't mention it 10 seconds ago is just mental and bizarre and um most of you therefore who, who aren't listening from the uk probably did get to watch the game live um but again, let me reiterate, I did not. Aaron and did found, found a mystical way, you know, he found a completely legal way of of of, of doing it. So uh, well done, Aaron. And so, you know, he's going to be really giving um, me and us, uh, you know, a lot more of detail with regards to how he actually thought the performance was. Um, I did, no however, then, yeah, yeah, yeah well, I mean, <laughs> you can say what you want. I would have to believe you, right? You know, so um, I'm not going to debate anything you, you, you say. Uh, I did see the bite-sized uh, highlights that they've... Um, um the, the bite size highlights that that uh arsenal issued um so li- listen mate like taking a step back i mean look it's a, it's a win right we 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 bloody won again um and given all the other results that have happened today we're actually four points clear uh yeah. you know liverpool beating man city let's just go from there like how do you feel right now aaron oh okay look at the start of the season if anyone had shown you what we're 10 games in now the the, the the Premier League table after 10 games, nobody, <laughs> if you had said Arsenal would be, what, four points clear above Man City at the top of the Premier League, nobody would have believed you. Like, look, I don't, look we're all relatively optimistic Arsenal fans. We're all very much, uh, never really doubted the project or the journey we're on, but none of us would have predicted this. So we just need to we just need to roll with it. I think like, we just got to go with it and see, see, see where we end up in this, this wild season. But look, it, it's great, right? We, today was a game where look, we played Leeds, a very good team who haven't lost at home all season after getting back from bloody Norway on Thursday um, on an artificial pitch, we probably got back Friday morning, I assume, maybe trained one day, left Saturday afternoon, 
Um, so we had one training session, and this was never going to be easy. I know I did predict we'd win 4-0, um, but that didn't happen. And we pulled it off, like a lot of drama, a lot of um, lot of incidents, but at the end of the day, it's the result that counts, and um, we got it done. It's the result that counts. Like you said, we said this last episode, right? We said that... Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's 6-0, it doesn't matter if it's 1-0, you get three points at the end of the day, right? Um, so scoreline aside, you know, it was 1-0. Talking about how the actual game went, I mean, um, you know, firstly, look, just before I say that, just thank you to all the guys who are just, like, giving comments already. I'm going to go to one of those comments right now uh, and ask you, Aaron, if you agree with this. You know, Chana said, tough and plucky win, but we'll take it all day long. We, You know, get, with, with regards to predictions, you said 4-0. I actually said it was going to be a draw, so, you know, well done to you for predicting the win. Um, but was it more like a, a game that you might have ended up, may have normally ended up as a draw, as Chan says, tough and plucky? Not even that. I think we probably deserve to lose. Let's be realistic. Like that second half, we did nothing. Um, and uh, there was a, a first half performance where we had our moments, but we didn't really create anything of note. Like, um, a couple of half chances here and there. But on that second the second half was probably the worst we've played all season. Um, now we can analyze why and how much of that was Leeds playing well, how much of that was us playing badly, our system, the tactics. But Leeds, you know, I haven't seen the expected goals for this game, but I, I'd be it's very Arsenal, surprised. It's uh, less than Leeds. It's the first time Arsenal have had a, a smaller XG than their opponent this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, look, we got away with it, but let's be realistic Two these last two games we haven't played well we didn't play too too good against bodo we didn't play too we definitely didn't play very well against leeds but we've come away with six points um the you know the old arsenal doesn't do that Our, this arsenal team last season doesn't do that so we have we're learning we're learning from our mistakes we're learning how to we're you know this 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 project this team haven't gone through the away at europe away in the league combination before and this is a new thing that we're still trying to figure out how to manage and we're gonna eventually figure it out but big teams have to do that big teams go away in europe and then go away in the league to a team like leeds and and figure it out and sometimes they play well sometimes they don't but what they do do is they win it's true that's excuse me let's um you know just expand on that point a little bit because i think it is an important one yeah, you know, we went to we went away on Thursday night, pretty far away. Um, probably came back and we, you know, didn't have lot much to prepare, much time at all. Do, do you do you think being a bit skeptical? Do do you think that's why he went with the team that he did? He basically went with the same team that played against Liverpool, and Tommy Yasu at left back was a tactical surprise on, on you know that day. He went for it again this game. Do do you think you know being a bit a bit skeptical do you think he just thought i don't have that much time to prepare for this game i'm just going to prepare the team to to just do what we did against liverpool and to a certain extent yeah i reckon some of it was probably because tierney played on thursday and you you probably don't want to play or well, either tierney or tomiyasu twice in the space of four days and two away games i think that was um so and i assume zinchenko is still injured i guess i think he was on the bench today so yeah. um I think he kind of has to. I mean, Tierney did come on and I thought Tommy Asso was good. And it's going to be interesting going forward to see, you know, when we have Zinchenko fit, when we have Tierney fit and we have Tommy Asso fit and they're all well rested, who he actually goes for. But um, 
I think there's an element of that. I think if there wasn't a midweek game, Tierney maybe would have played today. But mm. um, the fact that, you know, you kind of want to take every little chance to freshen it up when you can, given we've got another game coming up uh, in midweek. So, yeah, I think rotation is going to be key. But I think look, that I think everyone else kind of picks picks themselves, right? It's interesting with those three choices, right? You've, you've basically, it's like, it's almost like football manager. You know, you've got, you can put them into buckets. You've got the defensive left back. You've got the marauding wing back. You've got the inverted full back. Like, you know, you've just literally, yeah. whatever tactic you play, you, you drop them. It's, um, it, it's a really interesting point, but it, it's, it's, it's also quite interesting that that, well, that's almost our only sphere of change that happens ever at the moment, right? We've got this very set team that, you know, barring injuries we play and we've got like the variation that you get in the side is, is basically this, this left back change, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think the good thing is it allows this team to really figure out and trust each other and figure out how everyone plays and just get to know each other. The bad thing is, you know, if there is an injury, if there is a, a suspension in one or two of these key positions, and we've discussed this before, right? There are a couple of positions where we are a bit thin on the ground, but Actually, our summer business and our summer activity has just allowed us to have a little bit more rotation. And, you know, we've got players now who, you know, we've got one player who can potentially play, like players who can play in multiple positions, basically, right? So Tommy Asu can play in multiple positions. None of us would have thought Tommy Asu would have been our starting left back uh, when we were discussing this in the summer, right? Against Liverpool and against, um, and today. Uh, none of us would have said Ben White would be having a run at right back. Um, but all of these players are in the squad because they can play multiple positions. So going forward, and I'm sure we'll talk about PSV later on, and as games become more important and less, and we have less rest, having players who can come in and do a job in a number of positions, so they play one position one week and another position another week, is actually really, really valuable. Yeah, completely agree. Going to the to the game itself, Aaron. And so at the beginning, you, you, you talked about the second half that wasn't so great. Let's talk about the first half for a bit. Um, again, having not seen the game, uh, I, I, you know, I, I did see the goal, and the first goal was a, like a tremendous finish from from Saka. And you know, Stevie here in the comments saying, you know, on the bright side, remember people asking questions about Saka after four stroke five games of decent performances without the numbers. Do me a favor. I mean, he's. He's he's right, right. Like actually, Saka's Saka's numbers look okay now. That they, they, they look decent. They still probably don't illustrate um, the value he's adding. Probably every game at the moment, he's he's really stepping up. And did you see that in his goal today? Yeah, I think just generally, I've been really impressed with Saka. I know everyone. I think Martinelli's probably stolen the limelight because of the numbers. But is it you the watch, numbers, Saka- mate, or is it is it is it his style? You know, Martin Lee's one of those like just incredible quick feet, pace, bums. You know, gets you standing up. Like, do you know what I mean? Is is it is it that that makes him stand out? Maybe I think, he, and he gets the goals right, and, and especially at the start of the season, especially at home, Martinelli got the goals. Mm. I think Saka is for me just a phenomenal, phenomenal player, and you know, some of the things he does on the pitch, you know, the way he runs at players, the way he takes them on, the way he backs into them and comes out of these duels on top every single time is is phenomenal. And I, I still think people don't realise how good Saka is. Um, I I think he's, he's, I think he's our best player still. I think he's better than Jesus. I think he's better than Martinelli as a player. Um, but he's quite, 
I don't want to say underappreciated, but I, yeah, I think he probably is a bit underrated in terms of just raw technical ability and aggression and power. Um, you know, I, I love the kid, obviously. I'm sure you do too. Of course. And it's <laughs> interesting, mate, because, you know, he is, um, he, he, he does keep showing signs for me that, you know, he's, he's improving week by week. And he's still so young. It was only last game that I think I was talking to you guys and in, in our WhatsApp group, and I was saying that, you know, you know, I was sort of criticizing his right foot, and I was saying, you know, whenever the ball gets onto his right foot, he seems to just, you know, go for power, and and you know, if he learns to kind of control it a bit more or just trust his placement a bit more, it's, um, you know, he, he can be a top player because I still feel that you know he's he's very left footed. Uh, I mean. It, you made me eat my words because this goal was literally him smashing it with his right yeah. foot. Like absolutely, like probably the only way it goes in from where he he took the shot is if you nail it high, and that's that's what he did, didn't he? It was a brilliant finish. Yeah, I think the other thing was it all this came after, in my opinion, a hilarious back pass by Rodrigo, <laughs> who um, I don't know if you saw it on the. I did see it, the yeah, highlights, but yeah. he's basically in Hit like a backward cross of, field. <laughs> yeah. If that was De Bruyne set, passing that Saka, everyone would have been like that. What what a what a guy! But this guy, he just he, for some for un, for no reason whatsoever. I still don't know why he did this. He has no pressure. He's on the right flank. He turns around and says, oh, "I'm just going to switch this cross cross field back backwards." And um, he's obviously aiming for. I'm not sure who he's aiming for, but the the, the Leeds player uh, Saka just gets the ball, and then I think. Would this be really funny if they? I think Odegaard gets the ball, maybe plays it Saka or something like that. I think Saka and then gets o- it first, and then he hit, and then he passes it to Odegaard as a one-two. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. And then I'm thinking this would be really funny if they score. We score from here, but then I, you know, he gets quite deep, and I think, oh, he's probably not. And then all of a sudden, he, like you said, he just smashes it and beats the keeper for power and placement. Is is phenomenal. And how were we the rest of that first half, mate? Because just you know at the time during the first half I, you know i wasn't i didn't even see any highlights live so i was there following it not even on twitter i think i just i just seen the messages come through in our group saying saka had scored and then when i looked at the kind of on on live score or whatever that app is um yeah it didn't it seemed to suggest that it was a relatively even half we it seemed like we had a lot more of the possession um but the chances were kind of equal was that the story of the first half or was there a bit more to it yeah, I think there was a there, there was a chance um, that Jesus had maybe five or ten minutes afterwards where he kind of scuffs it and probably should have done a bit better. But apart from that, it, it was a pretty end-to-end game. Um, it was Leeds attacking, um, then us attacking, and it was a very open game. Um, and at that point, there was a, you know, a couple of moves where we looked like Xhaka and Odegaard were playing some nice combination play. We were getting the ball out wide, especially and using the flanks to create chances and, you know, get, you know, use the ball meaningfully. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, if you looked at the first half in isolation, you might say, actually, we might have just edged it. Um, although the, the one thing we didn't take a talk about was um, the the 40-minute delay. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> During uh, the first after the first minute, when uh, there was a power cut, right? So obviously they didn't show this in the highlights, but um, you know we kicked off, and after about two minutes, the refs like something's gone wrong. It turns out the VAR was down, um, and they sent the players off, and then we come back forty minutes later, which I thought was pretty funny. 
And thank God the VAR came back. <laughs> yeah, right? I was going to say, it, did, it was actually needed, wasn't it, Chief? Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, we had I that thought, to contend as well. Yeah. What did you hear from watching? Because what I thought was, um, on the face of it, I, I thought that that was going to work in Arsenal's favour massively because y- you sort of feel like to settle the home crowd down, just like stop playing football for like half an hour or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, it wasn't hard as a crowd to just get, you know, really geared back up. Did you, did you notice any of that? It was, you know, I'd love to have had Nero on because I wonder what it sounded like in the ground, but I thought we, yeah, it was, I mean, the, the crowd were never, it was never super loud, but especially in the first half, but it was, it was a pretty even game. I thought, and I think when we scored, because we scored relatively early on, there was probably this feeling of, okay, could we go and get a second and actually kill this game off pretty early? But actually Leeds did really well to come back into the game and create the chances they did. What is it that they did well and or that we didn't do so well? Because, you know, we've been pretty good at controlling games, generally speaking. Um, so what was it? Was it, uh, were, were they pressing well? Were we pressing poorly? Mm. What was it? It was the Leeds press in the second half was incredible. Um, and for whatever reason, we really struggled to be able to beat their press in the second half. And on top of that, when they had the ball, our pressing was really weak. And I don't know if that was tired legs because to be able to press like we do, you know, we're a, we're quite a big running team now, right? Mm. Where everyone knows where they have to be. They're in their zones and they know when they have to press and when we don't have to press and who we who we stand off and who we get tight to but that all seemed to have gone gone out the window in in the in the second half i thought we used the the flanks pretty well in the first half but for whatever reason i think we just became a lot more compressed and narrow in the second half as well and that just meant that leeds um in the middle third could just squeeze us and then we and then they'd win the ball and they'd play a really good a really good through ball in and they'd be in behind our goal or running at our defence and we just didn't have the answers to stop them. And, you know, you can sort of talk about fatigue a little bit, I suppose, from Thursday, but then, you know, a lot of those players didn't start. <clears throat> so in, in some ways, you, you know, you'd, you'd hope you'd be able to to deal with the, I guess, the energy requirements. But at the same time, it is a tough place to go this season, isn't it, at, at Leeds? Because Leeds... From, from right, I think I think I'm right in saying this is the first time they've lost at home this season. So it's not meant to be an easy place to go to. And um, but with with the second half, it seemed like there were a lot of very very key incidents here. So just yeah. to touch on those key incidents, I think the first is a disallowed goal. <clears throat> I've seen a disallowed goal from Patrick Bamford. I've seen it. Um, it didn't look incredibly contentious to me. It seemed like it was perhaps like a you you know not. I, I wouldn't say these days. I think if, he, if when people say soft, when people say like it was a soft foul, there seems to be a connotation that it wasn't really a foul. But I think when I when I looked at it, it seemed like okay, yeah, fine. The ref's blown. That's nothing really too contentious about that. What did you think? I don't know, man. I felt like if that was against us, and if that was I don't know Jesus against their centre back, I would have probably felt hardly done by. I think it's the type of goal that if the ref doesn't give it i don't think var rules that one out Mm -hmm. Mm um and you know i this is the thing with consistency of you know i think the message from refereeing the refereeing body has always been they're going to try and let things go and try and you know those those soft 50 50s they'll give the advantage to the attacker or the player who kind of is on the ball and 
I I I thought I thought that, and I thought, oh, well, actually, that is, um, that's I I'd say that's not a foul, but it's one of those like you can give it, and if the ref has given it, the VAR is never going to rule that one out. So I don't okay. think it was um, massively controversial, but if you know that had finished nil nil, and we'd done that, I'd have been really really annoyed. And then um. Not not that long after that, it's a penalty to Leeds, isn't it? And um, yeah, it's um, I saw that that doesn't look like it's debatable at all. That it looked to me that that's a very clear penalty. Saliba's handballed it probably, you know, it's, it's not like he, I don't think it's like a deliberate handball, but it's still a handball, like it's still um, it's still by, by the balls, it's still a handball. Um, and then uh, Bamford steps up to take the penalty, it's a pretty poor penalty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think. As with anything, you when um, when someone doesn't score a penalty, you have to kind of ask like, what was it? Was it the striker taking a really bad penalty? Was it a goalkeeper? Was it the team? Like all of these, the, you know, the team could have put him off. The pressure, you know, there was some. You know, probably didn't see it in the highlights, but we seem to try and like just delay the penalty by maybe an extra thirty or forty seconds, and maybe that got into his head maybe Ramsdale coming up to him and you know maybe words were said that might have gone into his head or he could just be really bad at penalties so I don't know but well, what I wondered is watching it is that because Ramsdale goes the right way and yeah. I wondered whether as he's literally in that split second as he's about to take it he's seen Ramsdale going the right direction and then almost semi sort of bottles it and kind of goes oh I need to go as wide as possible if do you know what i mean kind of goes that it makes that extra effort to get in the corner and maybe that's what um, yeah 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 it's that's what did it. it did look like he he i don't say scuffed it but you're right i think it did look like he almost second changed his mind a little bit with that penalty in terms of placement and i think he you're probably right maybe he was going to go maybe further like slightly towards the middle of the goal and then he just saw rams edging that way and it's like yeah i'm gonna have to get a bit more of an angle on this and then just messed it up um, but no, th- thank God for that because I think if they had scored, then they were, you know, their tails were up at that point. They probably would have gone on and and won it. But actually, um, I thought Ramsdale was actually very, very good today. Um, and generally, if it wasn't for him and I'd say Gabriel, we probably would have lost that game. I thought generally those two were really, really good. It's interesting. So, <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk to you about this. What you've just said, um, you talked about Gabriel and Ramsdale being being very good today. I was talking about the Ramsdale point first because there's been two comments. One relates to Ramsdale, one relates to Gabriel. So I'm going to go with the Ramsdale one for now. So this is my saying. Can we talk about how good Aaron Ramsdale was today? Baffling how he's not getting a look in for the England number one spot. Brackets C Pickford's clanger yesterday. Now, See what's interesting. This I mean, I'll I'll let you kind of give your response to this, uh, Aaron. And what I found interesting about this is I think this is something that a lot of Arsenal fans have talked about. Not just Arsenal fans. I think many fans have talked about who should be England number one. People have talked about how um, well Pickford has done for England in an England shirt, um, and uh, but but still, you know, kind of on 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 form over the last season and ten games. I think you know. There is a debate as to who should be England's number one. The interesting thing is, I don't know if you heard this yesterday, or not yesterday, but uh, I think over the last week, but Aaron Ramsdale said that he thinks that it's a year too early for him to be England number one, something like that. He basically, Aaron Ramsdale said, Aaron Ramsdale said, where's the effect of 
Aaron Ramsdale has a lot of respect for Jordan Pickford. He said, I remember this a couple of years ago as well. I think when he had just joined Arsenal and someone had said something about comparing him as to whether he was better than Jordan Pickford. And he, and he said almost categorically he goes, it's just amazing that I'm getting that kind of comparison. What Jordan's done is like for England and the Premier League is amazing. You know, he, he, he clearly really rates Jordan Pickford as a, as a, um, a goalkeeper. And, I'm pretty certain, I quote him from the last week, where he said words to the effect of, I think pretty much you know, verbatim, he said that the England number one spot is probably a year too early for him. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll pause there. Um, you, just, just on the England point, do you, I mean, do you think that, regardless of what Aaron Ramsdale believes, do you think that he should be England number one and, and, and you know, connected to any, any kind of performance that he had today? Yeah, I think he's as good as everyone else, put it that way. I know Pickford has done well in an England shirt, but when he's in goal um, in the Premier League, I I know, I mean, he's obviously on a more spotlight, but I think he, he makes a lot of mistakes. Um, you look at Pope. Pope made mistakes when he played for England the other week. Um, and Ramsdale never seems to get a look in um, and never seems to get a consistent run of games. And you'd have to ask why, right? And you know, we could probably do a whole pod on, maybe we should on Southgate's team selections and uh, tactical selections for England. But you know, I think if you pick players on form, Arsenal are currently the form team of the Premier League and their form goalkeeper is English. So surely you'd pick him for the World Cup over an Everton goalkeeper or a Newcastle goalkeeper for extending to a certain extent but I think it's I don't know I think you know Ramsdale really adds value when you look at like playing up from the back and building up possession and um you know positional play that's not really Southgate's game that's not really what Southgate wants to do and I think maybe he just thinks I want someone who is you know dominant in the box good at crosses and maybe the best better shot stopper I and I don't even think Ramsdale's a bad shot stopper compared to Pickford. Maybe that's what he thinks, or he just likes that familiarity. Um, but no, either way, I think if you're picking on form and you're picking on quality and certainly potential, I think it has to be Ramsdale. It's interesting because I think Southgate has sort of developed a reputation for someone who is willing to pick players who don't play in the top six and therefore is willing to play, you know, pick players by inverted commas form. But at the same time, he's also shown himself to be a manager who has favourites and has people that he likes who he feels haven't let them down, him down. Harry Maguire, case in point. Yeah. And I think Pickford is is the other big example. So I wonder if that is what is standing in front of Ramsdale's way. Because today, in terms of the game today, from what I saw, he looked brilliant. I think he got man of the match. He was I brilliant. I mean, was he brilliant? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah to, tell me a little bit about, about that. I mean, was it his best game of the season, would you say? probably I think generally of the last three or four games I know we've conceded in the last three or four but he he's you know, come up with some big saves I remember the Richarlison one uh, in the derby for example when um, Son put him through there was another one against Nunes I think last week potentially or I might be making that up um, or maybe Jota um, and then today when we were you know when they yeah, none of these saves, you watch the highlights, none of them were world-class. It's, he didn't do anything spectacular where he saved something he shouldn't save, but he generally put himself 
you know, he was in the right place at the right time. There was one moment where uh, I think Saliba played a, a bit of a dodgy back pass to him and he came out, um, kind of dealt with it, but then leads one possession back or something like that. My memory's a bit foggy. And basically he, he stayed out and stayed off his line and then was able to deal with that, right? I think another keeper, once they've dealt with the danger, probably retreats back to their line. And right. if he does retreat back to his line, Leeds have the ball unopposed in a very, very dangerous area of the box. And I think all you know, he made a lot of 50-50 calls today and he got every single 50-50 call right. Mm. And I think, you know, when we had, you know, Leeds towards the end started throwing crosses and long balls into the box and he won everything and he was consistently good. And actually I thought some of our defenders probably didn't have their best games today. So I thought Saliba didn't have a great game. I thought Ben White didn't have a great game today. And in those, you know, in this situation, you really want your goalkeeper to bail you out, right? He is the last, the last defender in that sense. And when your defenders don't have a good game, the top teams still win because their goalkeepers have a good game. And, we haven't really needed our goalkeeper to have a good game over these last few few weeks because we've been scoring two, three goals every game. But today was one where I thought he did really well. Fair. Now to the second point, Gabrielle. So it's interesting because Stevie here is quite contrasting to what you said. Here. So Stevie here in the comments is saying, Gabrielle is concerning me now. He's in trouble way too often for my liking. It was raised the eyebrow before. Now it's, does he need dropping for a game or two? But you think he was probably our, our one of our better players today? Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. I thought Gabriel was really good. Um, I think out of the two, Saliba probably had a, a slightly worse game. There's a couple of moments where he, you know, there's a, a I think it was a bad back pass and he got caught on the ball once and there's obviously the handball. Um, yeah, there's the, the incident at the end and you can we can talk about how much Gabriel had to do in that game. But I, I thought he was magnificent. I thought he really held the line. He was probably the best defender in that back four today. Tommy Asu was also pretty good. Um, so yeah, no, I think I disagree with Stevie, unfortunately, but um, that's why Cause, we, cause Gabriel why has we been, debate. Yeah, I mean, to, absolutely. Gabriel's provided really interesting debate. Um, I think this season for Arsenal and it's quite, it's quite, I'm going to say like it's quite minute debate because it's it's things that you know when you're winning the way that we are we're top of the bloody league yeah you're obviously picking some things because otherwise you know it's boring you, you want to talk about something and Gabriel I think has been one of those very small topics that I think fans are sort of saying okay you know is he if there was one link that looks a bit weak is it Gabriel are there moments where he is perhaps letting us down I think if we if we go to the last game you know there was the um the the first goal for Liverpool that there was a debate as to whether, you know, he's getting caught out and he's overstretching and, you know, et cetera. And um, so that sort of stuff. And then, and then, you know, I don't know therefore whether as a result of that, he's someone where you, when you watch games, you look at more and everything that he doesn't do, that's quite perfect. You know, some fans are, are, are sort of getting on his back. I'm not saying that Stevie's getting on his back per se, but you know, I, I suppose the challenge Arsenal have right now is regardless, that's to say, even if it was Saliba that we're having some question marks over or whatever in the same way, um, it's tough, isn't it? Because he's now established Arteta's established a, a system where he really likes Ben White at right back. He really, really likes him there. So I can't imagine a scenario where, you know, he was to take, you know, drop almost Gabriel or Saliba right now to put Ben White back at 
centre-back and then, you know, bring in Tommy Yasuo at right-back. I mean, I can imagine him playing Tommy Yasuo at right-back if it's purely because he's preferred to Ben White, but not to put him there because he thinks that he needs to play Ben White to replace one of his centre-backs. Um, I don't I don't see that. So I think, you know, Stevie's point here about does he need dropping for a game or two, I think that would do too much. Firstly, I don't think he deserves to get dropped, but I think no, that I even if he did, I think it would just it would just cause a bit too much disruption. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, put it this way, I think it's not it's not the days where we had a centre back injured and Mustafi was coming in or something like that, right? So if we were to make a change and Ben White was to come on into the middle, there are worse centre backs that come in, right? So oh, we yeah. know no, Ben absolutely. White can do a job, right? So we're in a bit of a luxury here where we have two, three, even four, if you include Tierney and Tomiyasu, players who can play in the middle. And then we've got the Rob Holding option as well. So it's not that, but I just think this system, I think he really, really likes Saliba and Gabriel. And I, I don't think that was a plan. I think the plan at the start of the season was Gabriel and Ben White, but he sort of, Saliba almost forced, forced his hand and said, no, I'm going to play and you're going to have to build a system around me. And we've landed on Gabriel, Ben White, and a left back, be that Tierney, Zinchenko, or even Tommy Asu. And, you know, towards the end of the game, he he did take Ben White off, moved Tommy Asu to right back and played Tierney at left back. Because I think at that point, Ben White was maybe struggling a bit. Um, but I I actually think this is the type of game where you want a Gabriel on the pitch because... They're throwing long balls in. They've yeah, got tricky players. Gabriel is the type of player who will thrive in that environment. Um, and I think maybe Saliba probably got, you know, maybe felt the pressure a bit much because he hasn't really experienced a game like this before, um, which is a very different game to the Liverpool game where we're on top, the atmosphere is, you know, the crowd are in our favour, the atmosphere is towards us. This is a very different game. This is the type of game you probably don't get in France, right? in the sense that you have an away crowd that is very hostile um, and you're a big team going there where they're all gunning for blood. That's not the type of game. That is a very, today was a very Premier League type of game. Mm. And, and Leeds have a famous atmosphere in that yeah. way, right? A lot of players and managers say that Leeds is probably the most vicious atmosphere. Mm. I think yeah. Fergie walked, wrote about it in his book, didn't he? And he, he basically said that there's just no place in the world like it. He goes like the type of the type of like <laughs> he used worse words, but effectively the the vicious passion, you know, type of thing that, yeah. that, that you get from the fans, this type of stuff that you get shouted at you and the heat. It's um it, it is intense. Uh and and you know, I wonder if any of that intensity affected the officials right at the end of the game. Because that instant right at the end of the game, right, where it it kind of seemed like it could have all come unstuck for Arsenal when um the referee has has consulted his linesman right at the very end and given Leeds uh, a penalty and issued Gabrielle a red card, which subsequently was overturned by VAR. I mean, Sean in the comments talking about, you know, Patrick Bamford, who was kind of writhing around on the floor, claiming to have got kicked by Gabrielle, you know, Sean says my thoughts and prayers are with Bamford's family and friends. It was awful seeing him go down. Like he got shot towards the end of the game. He did look like that, right? He just classic, mm. classic like player making a meal out of something, and he he didn't get touched. Uh, and it was, it what it was an interesting one though. There wasn't Aaron because when you see the replays, look, it looks like Bamford fouls Gabriel first. That's yeah. that that to me is clear. But as Gabriel is falling on the floor, he does try and extend his leg in a very reactionary, annoyed way. 
Um, is that a bit naive by by Gabriel? Yeah, I think it it probably is. I think it. What I think he does is I think he try he thinks about kicking out and then probably changes his mind mid fall, but his legs are already in a bit of an awkward position, and um, it just look. And then Bamford has to make a meal of it. I reckon he thought on the way down, I'm going to kick this guy, but then changed his mind and therefore it looks a bit clumsier than it actually does because he could and then therefore Bamford has to exaggerate the contact and looks even more silly um but honestly I thought it's one of those where when you're watching it live you're just like okay it's a foul then you see it and then the ref blows his whistle and he's like oh my god he's gonna give this and you're like, oh, he hasn't seen the foul and therefore, or like he just thought the first one isn't a foul and he's decided to give the second one. And then when he gives a red, you're like, well, that means he has to give a penalty and he gives a penalty. And it was like 93rd minute and you're like, you know, swearing, you're cursing everything. And I thought, oh my word, what what have we done here? And, um, you know, thank, thank God for VAR, right? And um, it's, you know, for all those people who say, football and Premier League would be better without VAR. Just imagine if that had been given today. No one would have been able to overturn that, right? And we'd be walking out of Ellen Road with uh, a drop two points and we'd have been fuming for weeks about it. So I know VAR has its issues and they need to fix some things, but I'm a big, big fan of just having a second chance to get big decisions right because so often refs get the big decisions wrong and I don't trust them to to live on their own and just sort sort things out by themselves. So um yeah, look, um should Gabriel do better? Yeah, he should just go down and he should have not made a meal of it and then none of this would have happened. Um and yeah, I think maybe maybe that's naivety. I don't know. What what do you think? Yeah, I I think you're probably right in that I think he goes, while he's going down, he always thinks about kicking him and then he tries to stop. I think it is one of those things that in the heat of the moment, it's really hard, I think, to stop yourself from doing something that reactionary like that. You're probably in that heat of the battle, that moment, he's probably just really annoyed that someone has almost deliberately shoved him over and there's just like a reaction, like, you know, you would almost if you were in the street and if someone was to push you over, it's like that kind of just innate reaction kind of thing um and that was it um so i think it ultimately unfortunately you know it could have been something that ended up costing us but i would have felt really sorry for him like i think that i think that like 19 out of 20 players do exactly the same thing um you know it's just a reactionary thing kick out well in the way that he did where like you say he didn't actually properly kick out like there was something yeah. like he he clearly, if he like, if he wanted to kick him properly, he could have kicked him properly. He he didn't, right? He he purposely did not. So so I'm sort of with you there. And and then look, and I and I totally agree about this being an advert for why VAR overall is still really needed. Like it gets more right than it gets wrong. And I think that ultimately the stuff that we really debate over and the stuff that we get really upset over is is one like just the fact that it takes so much time sometimes and it really kind of can stop you being able to celebrate and all that kind of stuff. So that's not ideal, but also it's the ones which are just so, so, so debatable that 
you know, only when it's slowed down to the nth degree does it look like there's any kind of issue. And I think those ones are really annoying. But overall, you know, I think... Yeah, I mean, there, there are the... I remember the start of the season, there were some where I was just like, how have two people looked at this and decided it's not a foul? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah and like, yeah. but they are so rare. Yeah. But usually, as with anything, it's subjective. And yeah. these decisions are subjective. And we need to like, just accept that those subjective calls they're not going to overturn and that's okay but thankfully this wasn't a subjective one like i think the ref got that massively massively wrong mm. and is, is bamford you know is he benefiting from you know be provocative is he benefiting from being an english striker like in in that incident is it it's the same that would have happened for harry kane where you know england center forward like kind of and a shining kind of night, if you like, in in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and if you if he looks like they've been hurt, then they've been hurt. If it looks like they've been fouled, then they've been fouled. You know. Yeah. Well, he only came on. I think he came on at half time, right? And then he was involved for the uh, the handball, I think, where Saliba was it him? Yeah, I think it was him. No, sorry, he was involved when the goal was disallowed, and he fouled Gabriel actually uh, for when the goal was disallowed when he scored. Um, and then he was um, involved with Gabriel again at, at full time for this incident. So, you know, maybe they've just been at each other all game and actually maybe Gabriel's just wound him up and they've wound each other up. And, um, you know, when the when you're under the cost in the 93rd minute, you know, players lose their heads. But Gabriel is is the type to lose his head, right? He, we've seen that before. He's not a player who can... Who can control himself under pressure it reminds me a bit like Koscielny um Koscielny was like brilliant but then always just had a stupid moment in him mm. um Gabriel's a bit like that but overall I think he was very he was probably our second or third best player yeah like and so yeah I mean on that basis it would have been completely that heartbreaking for him if at the end of the game, you know, you get sent off and the game is, it, it changes on something that which you, you didn't even really. Yeah. Cause that would have been a, what, a three game ban probably if it was violent conduct. Ban. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if they would have probably have appealed that afterwards. Right. And yeah. it's a good chance. Of, but anyway, no, no, you're, you're right. But listen, we, we, we finish and you know, we are top of the league, dude. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it, is, is this, is this win different uh, in terms of, you know, winning ugly, uh, it's probably the first time that we've won, but not outright 100% deserved to win, if you know yeah, what I mean. I was going to say uh, exactly that. Yeah. yeah. And does that, have you, has that taught you something about this team? Yeah. I think it's taught me that, it's taught me a few things, actually. I think one is that this team is, is a bit human in the sense that look, we're not always capable of playing to the level that we're playing. And we've played at a very, very good level for the first eight or nine games this season, right? Especially against Spurs, especially against Liverpool. We've had to be very, very good. Um, I think we've seen the limit of this team's attacking play where there are situations where, you know, a team or our play can, like, you know, either Leeds have stopped us and they're the first team to have stopped us from playing well this season. Um, or for whatever reason, we had an off day with our attacking play where we just couldn't get it right. Like our forwards couldn't get in the game. The midfielders, you know, Erdegaard, Xhaka, Partey all weren't at their best, especially in the second half. They got overrun. I, I'm i sure there are better tactical people than you and I who can probably tell us exactly what happened in the second half. But 
we we didn't look on it right so i've learned that actually there is a limit to this team and that's a bit worrying because we know that actually that second half could happen again especially away from home we've got quite a few away games coming but on the positive side we won right and we we hung in there we defended well our goalkeeper stepped up when we needed to our defenders did a job we kept a clean sheet and hopefully these types of performances can be you know, minimized but let's be realistic uh this time last season that is a, a 2-1 loss or a 3-1 loss and um instead we're sitting here four points top of the league so it's it's okay <laughs> i think uh, it's okay i agree and it's another away premier league game coming up on the weekend but before that it is psv um, it's the rescheduled game. It's the game that was, you know, meant to happen uh, just before uh, the the Queen's passing, um, and mm. so it's it's a bit out of sync. And as a result, we don't have a Premier League fixture um, this midweek when other teams do. That would have been Man City at home, right? It would have been Man City at home, and and, and uh, again, like I don't, um, I think someone else said this in, on Twitter. I think it was Le Grove who basically said it wouldn't have been a good time to play Man City just after they had lost to Liverpool. I, I sort of agree with that. I feel like, um, I, I, I feel like um, with Man City, they're, they're a team that you almost want to catch them cold. You want to catch them, you know, after they've been on a little bit of a run and they suddenly are just getting a little bit complacent, not like a wounded yeah. animal. Um, so, so maybe that is beneficial. But the thing is, this game against PSV, it is a really important game for us actually, uh, because the way that the Europa League groups are, are panning out it is quite interesting in that the, the, the new the new format means, I think the slightly tweaked format means that second place has to play a playoff against the team that drops out from the Champions League. Now, last year, that perhaps wouldn't have been too much of an issue. This year, there's some decent teams that look like they're going to come down from the Champions League. So it feels like you really don't want to finish second in your Europa League group. But you really don't want to finish second Europa League group because it could be, say, a Barcelona that you end up having to play in a two-leg knockout before, you know. And if you finish top, forget, you know, playing someone hard. You don't have to play anyone at all. That's just two fixtures saved. And so at the moment, although we've got a really, really, you know, 100% record in our, in, our, um, in our group, although we have that, it's still not wrapped up for us. We're not still guaranteed of a first place. Mm. So um, this game against PSV is going to be a good one because if we beat them, I want to say if we beat PSV, then we'll go to 12 points. PSV will be on seven points. So no, they could still in theory catch us, but then I think we'd have to basically lose both our next games, right? Both our games yep. after that. So it is big. Um, PSV are a decent team. Do you see, therefore, any kind of variation to what we've been doing of late in Europa, i.e. playing a majority second string? That being said, I guess it hasn't been completely second string. But do you see us potentially going with an even stronger team on Thursday? Possibly. I think what, what we've done is it seems like we, we have a core Europa like a core Europa League squad of first 11, right? So that's like Vieira and Ketia, Holding, Turner... Um, Marquinhos, Tierney, and then especially in the middle and maybe out wide sometimes, we we seem to just rotate those first team players in and out of the squad. So I think it was Saka that played 
last time. And then before that, Xhaka was playing and Erdogan was playing. So I think we're we're being quite calculated in terms of how we give first team players minutes. But actually, I think we might give a few more players some minutes on is it on Thursday the game? Mm-hmm. Um because if you win this one, then you're right. Like this is this is the one, right? And PSV are no mugs. They've they've won most of their games. I think they dropped, I'm not sure who they dropped points to potentially Bodo, um, who were also a pretty decent team uh, in their place as we saw so i think we just need to we'll probably look i think i don't think jesus is going to play i think eddie will play for example i think turner will play i don't think ramsdale will play but there's a couple of players i think it'll be a very very strong bench as it has been and actually we will yeah i mean i'll be very interested the team selection has surprised me now and then like i thought the bodo team was stronger than i would have thought it would be so actually yeah maybe we just play our strongest team because actually what you can do then is if we win this one the hopefully the last game the home leg against Zurich is a, a bit of a dead rubber and we've won the group and therefore yeah then you can just play everyone so you, you probably look at where where and when the fixtures are right so we've just played Leeds yes that was tough we've got Southampton away we sometimes struggle against Southampton but I have a feeling that the Zurich game is right before Chelsea away. Okay. And actually, would you rather rest players before Southampton away or Chelsea away? And I think you probably take the latter. So maybe we look at that in a calculated way. And, I, you know, I do think sometimes we we obsess over rest and fitness and rotation. But, you know, you look at the Man Cities, you look at Chelsea's, you look at Liverpool. Salah's playing three times a week, every week. He's playing in the Champions League. He's playing in the league. That's okay. These players, these are top athletes. They're conditioned to do so. They will get their rest when they need it. Um, and, you know, I was, um, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to, where they talked a lot about, um, actually, for these elite athletes, they actually need to play. They need to be hitting that level of performance three, four days, every three, four days, because their body needs to just stay like maxed out mm, um, interesting. and 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 what's really interesting was actually if you're a first team player you're far more likely you do less work if you're you you know the team is dominating if you but mm-hmm. if you bring a gabriel jesus into a youth team he probably has to run around more because he knows it he has to do like he has to carry the team and if he doesn't do the job he like the team will struggle. But if you play the first team, we can dominate possession. We run around a lot less. There's actually a lower risk of injury. Um, so it's, you know, there are, you know, we're, we have a lot of very smart sports science people. And when I see a player play a Europa League game, that hasn't been taken lightly. They've considered a lot of things and they're getting minutes because either they need the minutes or we think the minutes are worth it. And mm. I just completely trust the club with this stuff. Well, to Stevie's point that's on the screen, right? Stevie's saying that, you know, he's basically saying he hopes that Eddie's using the the Europa League to mentally prepare himself for a Prem start, given that Jesus is, you know, got, was one yellow away from a suspension. So do do, do you see that coming into account in some ways? Do you think that actually, um, you know, Thursday may be a case where we play Eddie and also look to, to, to really see him make an impact to the point where maybe we start bringing him in for Premier League games coming up. Maybe we play him for Southampton. Maybe we play him at Nottingham Forest at home. 
or whatever, just to maybe make sure that, well, one, you know, you've got still got that healthy competition for Jesus, but two, just to make sure that you know, Jesus doesn't pick up a, an, uh, you know, an untimely suspension for someone like a Chelsea. Possibly, possibly. I think if it's, you know, a one game before Chelsea, you might miss that and play the Europa League game before. So we can just guarantee he's around for that, that final game, the final game, the Chelsea game. Um, I wonder, I do wonder how Eddie's feeling at the moment, because obviously he was the guy for a period last season where he um, got some good goals and, and did well for us. But, you know, and then he signed that contract and, we're never going to know why he signed the contract and what the terms were and what he was promised and what he wasn't promised, but he's number two striker. Right. And actually I don't think if you're Eddie, you can complain about not getting in ahead of Jesus and anyone else. But, but, you know, I think actually for him, he's what, 22, 23. Um, And he's our, he's basically our number two striker. He's going to play every Europa league game, probably every FA cup game, probably every league cup game. That's not a bad deal for him. It's not, um, is it? It's not. And and I still think we need another striker at some point. But um I'm but I'm very I'm very confident that Eddie can 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 do well in the Europa League. And I think we'll learn a lot. We're learning a lot about this team and these players in the Europa League because it's it's a, it's a nice to have. I, I think it benefits us more than it costs us at the moment. I agree with you. And you know it will be a tough one on Thursday though. Mufasa pointing out here in the comments, you know. PSV beat Zurich 5-0 and won their game today 6-1. So it's not it's not gonna be easy, but it's gonna be a good test. So it's, it'll be a good test for for even those, you know, those fringe players who who are trying to, you know, because it's one thing when you are trying to break into the team and you're playing against teams which aren't quite Premier League quality teams, then you know, maybe the management also says, Yeah, he played well, but actually it's a bit different from getting leads away, isn't it? And you know, maybe a performance against PSV can can like really make the case for some of them. Mm. Um before we go on to um before we go on to the Atlanta game, I just want to shout out um this comment. So so Digi Scott, Digi, I hope you're I'm pronouncing your first name correctly. I'm sorry if I'm not. But you know, Digi says Aloha from China. I don't often catch the YouTube live seven hour time difference, eight once your clocks go back. Uh, listen to the audio pod though. Um I mean honestly, this is it might be my favorite comment of all 81 episodes, although, you know, we only actually activated comments for the last three episodes, um, <laughs> but ignore that um, because, you know, we are not, we are not a huge viral podcast. We are not sensationalist. It doesn't necessarily lend itself to being that great. We're not expert pundits. We don't have fancy graphics or anything like that. We literally just are a bunch of random dudes who um, happen to go to games and just want to share our perspective as fans who, who go to games. So the fact that there could be someone somewhere in the world, even if it is one person who um, who bothers to choose us as a podcast that they would listen to is pretty much the main driver why I would record this pod on a weekly basis. It's literally like the, the main reason why I would do it. And so that comment means a huge amount to me. Um, so I really appreciate that. Um, Aaron and you know I'm, I'm sure I, I speak for you as well but yeah yeah. Uh, yeah thank you and also just a big shout out to all the audio listeners the silent the silent majority um, if you're listening do get in touch find a way to get in touch with us Twitter Facebook uh, Instagram whatever and just let us know you're out there because uh, it means a lot so thank you all for listening for wherever in the world you are 
Yeah, uh, totally, absolutely. No, no, I really, I really love that comment. Thank you, thank you, Digi, again, and thank you, yes, everyone, as um, as Aaron says. So, anyway, segueing back, I did the reason why I wanted to say that now, <laughs> Digi, is because I saw your time difference point, and I thought I've probably just gone to case, bed just in case it goes <laughs> to sleep. <laughs> Let me just uh, say this now. Um, but cool. Listen, then Southampton, very quickly, Southampton. Um, so, pff, you know. I, I'm really finding it hard to figure out Southampton. I'm really finding it hard to, yeah, because w- at the beginning of the season, well, let's say it was particularly after the transfer window closed, and it looked like they'd done a lot of really interesting, smart, funky business. You know, those yeah. kinds of players that, you know, only kind of the the most, um, uh, it, what can I say, like um, well, well-trained well scout well trained probably not the word not the phrase i'm looking for but essentially they're finding loads of these players that you imagine someone who is really filtering through and doing their really um in, intensive due diligence on the various global leagues that many you know many top scouts probably don't even look at it really felt like that's what's happening at southampton they're picking out loads of gems and um and they look like they're playing really good football under ralph but I can't quite figure out still if they're a good team or not. Like every now and again, they're pulling off a decent result, but every now and again, they're just, you know, fizzling, should I say? Yeah. Um, I don't, do I don't, think? I don't really get them. I know they've got, I think they're the youngest team in the league, right? We're second. They're probably the youngest in terms of squad. I mean, those age. are fighting words. Um, fighting words. Are you sure about that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty I, I sure they are, they are regularly put out a very young average 11 starting 11 age. Um, and but we're obviously very close but they've bought all these players but they've got ralph and you know i think i saw some stats if you compare his like first half of his career i don't know how many games it's been now like 30 or 40 games to his second 40 50 games it is completely dropped off a cliff southampton um in the back end of last season the start of this season they just haven't looked like they've been able to get going and i know they got a point at west ham today but i remember i've watched them against villa and villa i think villa are awful but actually they they lost to villa um and you know maybe it is a project maybe they're very very early on in this project youth and i don't really know if you know if this is a ralph idea or if this is an idea that's being put on him from somewhere else but something isn't working for them um but I don't know. I just feel like even when Southampton are playing really badly, they play us and then they just turn up and win. <laughs> um, so I, we've got to be careful. Um, we, look, we obviously are going to are the better team. We will do very well, hopefully against them, but they like any away game in this league. Um, you don't, you're not a hundred percent and you can very, very easily lose. Yeah, because we don't have the disadvantage of playing away in Europe midweek. Um, so at least that'll probably help in terms of preparation, you would imagine, you know, and rest for the players. But uh, you know, I think one of the things that concerns me slightly is just um, is motivational fatigue for this team a little bit. Uh, I think one of the best things that we've been doing this season is playing every game like a cup final. I feel like even th- some of the Europa League games, I sort of get that feeling because I just feel that there's this momentum and it's almost like a culture that's in the dressing room of just being kind of really, really, really up for every game that we play. I think that can be quite tiring though. Um, and I think that in the Premier League, 
two away games on the bounce is it's it's, it's tough. I think it's tough because it's a tough league, and so going away to Leeds and and I think you know we've I think the performance probably wasn't as fluent as we've seen before as we've just discussed right. That to go back and go away to another Premier League ground against another team who you know for 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 Southampton's flaws like you've just discussed kind of thing they, they they're not they're definitely not technically a bad side and so if they do turn it on and and history does mean a lot to to teams and players i, I sometimes really uh, um I, I sometimes really wonder why that's such a big deal in terms of you know when you when teams play other teams that they've historically had good results against it seems to really help them um and i've often wondered why that's such a big deal but it seems to be a big deal. It seems to be a thing in the dressing room. They will talk and say, we always beat these guys. We've got a great record against these guys, etc." So, you know, you, I think last season was it, they knocked us out of the FA Cup really early. I think, you know, it was like a really early round that they knocked yeah. us out of the FA Cup. Um, so I, they think might have played, the, I think we played them twice. We did. I think we won the second time, right? right? Yeah, yeah. I think we won yeah. the Premier League game, yeah. but, um, but we lost that. Yeah, so, you know, so just from a, from, from from everything that we've said, do you still see Arsenal winning against Southampton, or do you? So, so, so let's go. Let's go. Let's do PSV, PSV Southampton consecutively. Do you, what? What are our two results going to be? I'm going to be boring. I think we'll win the, win them both. <laughs> I think maybe PSV. We might. I think we're more likely to drop points against PSV than we will Interesting. against Southampton, just because we might not be up for it because there is a second chance for PSV. I don't know there's a second chance for the league. I mean, you can't, we'll drop points eventually, but I think we we have this really unique, rare opportunity in the history of this club to keep this great start going in the league. And actually we, I think we will. And I think that naturally psychologically will be the priority. But no, I think if you asked me to commit and if I was going to bet, I'd probably bet on us winning both. Um, the interesting thing you said, Raj, is about this cup final thing and playing like a cup final and this motivational fatigue. I think that's that's a really good point because, you know, it's despite the saying, you can't play every game in the league in a season like a cup final because you throughout the season, you need those ups and downs where there are some games where you just want to coast and see out the final six, 30 minutes of a game because you've won it. Um, we can't play every game like we did today where we're desperately hanging on because we will, we will lose a lot of games if we play like that. Um, so we need to be able to, to win games early on and wrap them up. And we've, we've sort of started doing that to a certain extent, especially in the first couple of games of the season. But what would be really cool is if we could turn up away from home and exert ourselves and kind of just, you know, show the dominance that we know we have. And if we can do that and actually win comfortably, then we can start to rotate a bit more. We can take Jesus off because we're two or three goals up and we have 15 minutes left and we can give Eddie some more minutes. We can give Vieira some more minutes. Um, and that will allow them to build on this, on this European momentum. Mm. I, I, I agree with that. And I actually agree with your overall predictions i think that we'll draw against psv um i, I think psv are, are quite good actually i, I don't know yeah. too much about them i'm just going by results and players kind of thing i think that arguably if you take the top five teams in the europa league i'd argue that psv are one of those top five teams so i think arsenal are one of those top five teams i think psv i think it's just unfortunate for us that we've got them in our in our group um 
and they've got a couple of good players. They've got uh, Gakpo, who is like, you know, everyone wants him seemingly. He's, he's just he's like this top, top talent. And um, they, uh, and the second in Eredivisie, they've won eight and lost two. Um, so, yeah, decent. But I think, I think against Southampton, ironically, saying this as an Arsenal fan, given what we went through last season, I, I think ironically that Southampton's youth will be their, their issue against us. A little bit of that inexperience. Like, I think that we are genuinely a, a good side now, as well as being young, we are genuinely a good side. And I think that we are a very disciplined side in terms of roles and and kind of focus and um, and just like habits, if you like. And I, I feel like they don't have that yet. Their, their youthful side don't have that yet. And I think yeah. uh, that might end up being um, the difference, to be honest. But, you know, mate, like if we because because what's really nice is, you know, we're paying PSV in midweek. The rest of the league plays midweek. Uh, the rest of the Premier League plays midweek, right? Well, more or less, I think pretty much everyone else well, does. Except City. Except City. Yeah. Sorry, right. Except, except, except City. So regardless of what happens midweek, uh, you know, Arsenal will still be top of the Premier League, uh, which is... It just yeah, feels we'll have nice. a game in hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of teams, I think, below us have only played nine. Oh, so, yeah, so, of so the Queen's funeral stuff, yeah. Exactly. So it will sort of it will end up evening itself out. But but other games that are going on midweek, there are some interesting ones, right? That for for an ask from an Arsenal fans perspective to keep an eye on, right? So Liverpool have got West Ham, hmm. and um, obviously Liverpool, you know, beat uh, beat City today, and great result for them. Um, and but that that that's not an easy game. I wouldn't say Liverpool at home no. or West Ham's easy. I, I personally think Liverpool would, will, will win, but. But, you know, Chelsea going away at Brentford is interesting and Man United Spurs, right? So, so, so someone's dropping points in Man United Spurs. Yeah. It's either both of them or it's one of them. Um, so it's still going to be a really interesting week for us, isn't it? It is. It is. It's one of those where, yeah, I do wonder, like, would we have rather played City on Wednesday or PSV? I mean, if we would you rather play PS City now or City, I assume, in January, February time? when that game is going to be rearranged. Um, and part of me is that actually when we're playing well, when we're on top, you you kind of do want to play City now because who knows what we're going to be like in yeah. February is, you know, after the World Cup. It's basically going to be a new season. Um, but it would have been nice. It would have been a fun game to go to. Like if we had Wednesday night, you know, evening game against Man City, first v second. But, you know, I when you take out that game, our our run in, you know, is now I think Southampton, Forest, Chelsea, Wolves, or something like that, mm-hmm. which is consider and considering we've just played Spurs, we've just played Liverpool, actually taking this City game out and replacing it with still a pretty tough game in PSV, but albeit uh, a Europa League game, probably does us a bit of a favour, I think. Mm-hmm. And actually, if we can put that City game in a slightly less intense period of the season it yeah maybe city might be distracted with the champions league in february march who knows like it it's impossible to predict but it's i think overall it's probably a good thing i agree i agree with you um okay well listen it's been another great week to be an arsenal fan to be honest, it's just been um, another, another great week. And let's hope it carries on that way. I mean, the one thing's for sure is that we will still be top of the league at the very least until um, the end of the week. Uh, but uh, 
the other really interesting thing I think is if you look through the fixtures, like you've said, some of our fixtures are fairly reasonable, like coming up in future weeks. And actually in those weeks, some of our rivals have got some pretty tricky games. So I'm I'm really intrigued to see how the league table looks in, in two, three weeks' time. I'm really intrigued because if we do win our next three games, yeah, Southampton away, Nottingham Forest at home, and Wolves away, right? Those are our, our, our three games, I think. We've got Chelsea away in between. Ch- just before Wolves. Chelsea in between. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, that's a tough fixture. Let's say if we win three out of those four games, I'd be really intrigued to see what the table looks like. Uh, uh, really mm. intrigued. So um, anyway, we will leave it there, shall we? It's been a really um, great chat, and it was it was uh, a, a nice experience just learning about the game today, having uh, not watched it. I may try and catch some highlights now anyway. But Hey, Arsenal keep winning and um, we love to keep talking about it. So listen, everyone, thank you very much for joining us, Aaron. And thank you. Enjoy um, whatever you guys are doing for the week. Uh, I hope you have fun weeks and please like share, subscribe the pod. Um, we, we, we really, really appreciate Indeed. everything. Indeed. Thank you so much, everyone. Cool. That's guys. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.